A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad that you're with us on the program today. I thought we'd do something a little bit different here. Rather than focusing on just one bill or just one piece of legislation, uh, we are now two weeks in to the Biden administration. We have yet to see any of those uh, executive actions that uh, gun control uh, activists have demanded uh, from the uh, new president. The establishment of a uh, national director for gun violence prevention, uh, bans on the importation of modern sporting rifles, uh, uh, efforts to direct the ATF to redefine firearms to include uh, unfinished gun parts. None of those things have taken place yet, uh, but virtually everybody I talked to within the Second Amendment community and the firearms industry believes that those actions are imminent. Uh, in the meantime, anti-gun Democrats have introduced a number of very bad bills in Congress. There are also a couple of good bills that have been introduced by Republicans, and I thought uh, on today's program we could simply go through all of the bills that have been filed at the federal level to date uh, dealing with firearms. Now, there are a number of these bills, so this is not going to be a two-hour-long program. We're going to have to kind of go through these, but we've written about a number of these pieces of legislation at BarryAndArms.com. So if if I don't address all of your questions or concerns, you want more information, just go to BarryAndArms.com and then you can search up, you know, through the bill number. Uh, and if you want to take a look at the bills yourself, you can go to uh, Congress.gov. There's a legislative search function. Just search for firearms and uh, uh, you'll see the bills that have been introduced to date. So let's get started uh, with the uh, the list of gun-related bills that have been filed in this session of Congress, the 2021-2022 session of Congress. Uh, we'll start with a, a good bill, or at least a bill filed by Republican Michael Burgess of Texas. This is H.R. 194. Uh, this would require the Inspector General from the DOJ to submit a report to Congress every year on the number of firearm transactions denials uh, that have come from the NICS system that are then referred to the ATF for investigation. This result or this... Uh, 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 report would also include a number of prosecutions resulting from those investigations, as well as the number of firearms recovered uh, by the Bureau of Alcohol, to, uh, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So that's H.R. 194. Then there's H.R. 167, which is a, a bill to close the non-existent gun show loophole. That's been filed by uh, Democrat Al Green of Texas. Uh, this would prohibit the transfer of a farm at a gun show by a person who is not a federally licensed firearms dealer. And the penalties, if you are just a private gun owner who is not required currently under federal law uh, to uh, uh, conduct a background check on people who are uh, buying a firearm from you, um, if that were to change and Representative Green's bill were to become law, if you were to transfer a firearm at a gun show without going through an FFL, you would face a $10,000 fine per firearm uh, and the potential of a two-year prison sentence per firearm that was transferred without going through a background check. Uh, then we have H.R. 130, filed by Representative Sheila Jackson-Lee from the uh, state of Texas. A lot of bills, by the way, filed by uh, Senator Lee, or uh, Representative Lee, excuse me, that we're going to be talking about. This is the uh, Kimberly Vaughn Firearm Safe Storage Act. There are a couple of safe storage bills that have already been uh, introduced in Congress. This is one of them. Um, and this, again, would impose a, a federal one-size-fits-all policy uh, for gun storage 
uh, across the entirety of the United States. And given that this is coming from Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, as you can imagine, there's not a lot of common sense uh, to this bill. Basically, it says it shall be unlawful for a person to store or keep any fire or ammunition that is moved in, that's been otherwise affected, uh, uh, interstate or foreign commerce, on the premises of a residence under the control of the person, if the person knows or reasonably should know uh, that an individual who has not attained 18 years of age is likely to gain access to the fire or ammunition without the permission of the parent or the guardian of the individual, or an individual who resides at the residence that is ineligible to possess a firearm under federal law. Uh, so the firearm and ammunition must be kept, quote, secured, unloaded, and separately uh, in a safe that has been certified by the Attorney General, uh, locked with a trigger lock certified by the Attorney General, and by the way, in a safe and with a trigger lock. So it's not trigger lock or gun safe. No, no, no. It's both. Secured and loaded separately in a safe and locked with a trigger lock certified by uh, the Attorney General, or you can store your gun off-premises at a storage facility or gun range that has also been certified by the Attorney General. Uh, again, violations of this proposed law uh, could result in fines of up to $100,000 or 20 years in prison. And I would note as well, by the way, that the... Um, Supreme Court has already ruled at least once on uh, gun storage laws and found Washington, D.C.'s gun storage law, which is substantially similar to uh, Sheila Jackson Lee's proposal, uh, unconstitutional. So I, I think that uh, I, I think many of these bills we're going to be talking about would have legal problems here. Uh, but again, this is the intent of Sheila Jackson Lee to go after and criminalize the legal possession of firearms in the United States. And if you don't store those firearms in a way that Sheila Jackson Lee deems fit or suitable, uh, then again, you could be looking at the possibility of 20 years in prison. Uh, on to another bill from uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. This is uh, H.R. 127, the Sabika Sheik Firearm Licensing and Registration Act. Now, this bill actually has gotten uh, some attention on the part of the uh, Second Amendment community. This would require psychological testing in order for you to get a federally mandated license to own a firearm, uh, if you wanted a, quote, military-style firearm, you'd have to go through an additional round of psychological testing. You would also have to uh, uh, submit character references to the federal government. The federal government would send agents out to interview your spouse, any former spouses, co-workers, former co-workers, uh, basically conduct a, a national security clearance check on every American wanting to exercise their constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Again, that's H.R. Uh, 127 by uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lake. Then there's H.R. 135 by Sheila Jackson Lake. The Accidental Firearm Transfers Reporting Act of 2021, which would mandate that the uh, ATF uh, or the FBI submit a... Uh, a report to Congress each and every year documenting uh, how many firearms were, how many firearms transactions were allowed to proceed uh, after the uh, the three day uh, potential waiting period had expired. Remember, if you go and you buy a gun right now at retail, and you don't come back with a, a an approval or a denial, but instead it's just a delay, um, the federal government says, "All right, well, give us three days to conduct that background check." We haven't gotten back to the retailer within three days. You can go ahead and sell the firearm if you want. Sheila Jackson Lee wants to know how many times this happens. Uh, in 2020, 
there were about 6,000 cases where the FBI did not come back with a determination within three days, and then those firearms were sold. That's out of 21 million firearms that were sold in the United States in 2020. About 6,000 of them uh, proceeded with the sale when the FBI did not come back uh, after three days. So this is a, a solution in search of a problem, but again, it's from Sheila Jackson. Lisa, what do you expect? Uh, next bit of legislation, H.R. 225. This is a uh, a, a good, well, I, I say it's a good bill. We don't actually have the text for this measure yet, but it is authored by uh, Morgan Griffith of Virginia, a Republican from Virginia, uh, who is a staunch Second Amendment advocate. Uh, this would, quote, more comprehensively address the interstate transportation of firearms or ammunition. So I want to keep an eye on this one. And uh, when the actual text of this bill drops, then um, we'll come back and we'll revisit uh, that particular bill. The uh, next piece of legislation, H.R. 748, another safe storage bill. This one filed by Rosa DeLora of uh, Connecticut. You also have a Senate version that's been filed by Senator Richard Blumenthal. Uh, very, very similar, again, to Sheila Jackson Lee's gun storage bill, with the exception of it doesn't talk about ammunition. Uh, it basically just says if you don't keep your guns and ammo locked up, uh, when there's a reasonable belief that uh, someone under the age of 18 might be able to access those firearms or somebody who's a primitive person could access those firearms, then uh, not only are you uh, uh, committed a crime, but if somebody actually were to get a hold of your gun and use that gun in the commission of a crime, then you could be facing years in federal prison as well. Uh, then there is H.R. 45, excuse me, H.R. 545 from uh, Representative Jared Huffman of California. Uh, this bill would uh, ban the uh, carrying of firearms by members of Congress inside the U.S. Capitol. Um, I, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. To me, this is not a pure gun control measure because the average citizen can't carry in the Capitol. I, I understand that members of Congress, at least some of them anyway, want to be able to carry for their own protection. I'm not opposed to that. But I just don't see this as some sort of discussion about the right to carry because we're talking about congressional privilege here. Even the staffers of these members of Congress are not permitted under the uh, current rules that govern the Capitol to carry a firearm. Even if they have a concealed carry license in Washington, D.C., it doesn't matter. They cannot carry. This is a privilege that has been afforded to members of Congress. And I can understand why those members of Congress would like to keep a hold of that privilege. But don't tell me you're fighting for my rights when I can't carry the Capitol and this is about you uh, being able to do so. Uh, next piece of legislation, H.R. 355 from uh, Gregory Stubbe from uh, uh, Florida. Require the NIC system to notify ICE and the relevant state and local law enforcement agencies whenever the information available to the system indicates that a person illegally or unlawfully in the United States uh, may be attempting to receive a firearm. This is the one gun control bill that Democrats don't like. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, they want you, they want you, an American citizen, to undergo a psychological evaluation before you can exercise your Second Amendment rights. But if somebody's in this country illegally and they try to buy a gun, don't tell ICE about it. Very, very bizarre. H.R. Uh, 647 from uh, Representative Jason Crow of Colorado. This would change federal law and prohibit the transfer of a long gun uh, to an out-of-state resident. Right now, under federal law, if you... Let's say you live in Virginia, you go to West Virginia because you can't find any guns at your local gun store. You find a uh, SIG P365 and you say, oh, I want that. Well, you can't walk out with it. 
the West Virginia gun store can sell it to you, but they're going to have to transfer that gun to a federally licensed firearms dealer in your home state of Virginia. If, on the other hand, you walk into that West Virginia gun store as a Virginia resident, you say, ooh, AR-15, I want one of those. You can get that because long guns you are able to acquire out of state. I think the primary reason for this, I mean, this has been the law for a long time, but I think the primary reason for this is you've got hunters, you've got sportsmen who will go to other states to hunt, and they may have a problem with their firearm. They may need to buy a new gun. They may decide uh, it's not worth the hassle of trying to travel with their firearm, particularly now that you know many airlines are saying they're not going to transport firearms. And so you get to your destination, then you pick up a shotgun, you pick up a rifle that you use for hunting. That would be barred under federal law if uh, Representative Crow's proposal actually comes to pass. Uh, then we have H.R. 95, the Hearing Protection Act, uh, sponsored by Representative Jeff Duncan of South Carolina. This would take uh, suppressors off of the list of National Firearms Act items. This is a, a good bill. It's been introduced several times in the past. It has not, unfortunately, uh, made it um, uh, to, uh, didn't make it to Governor, or excuse me, to President Trump's uh, desk. And I doubt, unfortunately, that this bill is going to make it far in the uh, current session of Congress. That would hold true for H.R. 38 as well, which is the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, uh, authored by Representative Richard Hudson. Another very good bill that I suspect is not going to go very far. Uh, you have H.R. 30, the Gun Trafficking Prohibition Act. This is by Representative Bobby Rush. I suspect this bill might have some legs. Uh, and this would cause some pretty big problems or could cause some pretty big problems for not, not those uh, engaging in illegal firearms trafficking, um, but for things like the 4-H shooting sports programs, for things like the Boy Scouts marksmanship programs, even potentially for online auctions of firearms. Um, the devil, again, is in the details here with this piece of legislation. Uh, there is a great deal of concern about uh, what this would mean for you know legal law-abiding gun owners as opposed to uh, violent criminals who are already, by the way, being arrested and charged with gun trafficking offenses uh, around the country. Uh, you have H.R. 125, the Gun Safety Not Sorry Act of 2021, another bill filed by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. Uh, the Sorry Not Sorry Act. Uh, uh, excuse, no, sorry, it's not. See, I got confused here. It's not the Sorry Not Sorry. It's just the Not Sorry Act of uh, 2021. So what is she not sorry about? Well, according to the text of uh, H.R. 125, uh, this whole legislation is about imposing a seven-day waiting period for the transfer of a semi-automatic firearm, a suppressor, quote-unquote armor-piercing ammunition, which is basically all centerfire rifle ammunition, or a large-capacity ammunition magazine, which would be defined as a magazine that can hold more than 10 rounds. A seven-day mandatory waiting period in order for you to purchase some of the most commonly owned firearms in America, and some of the most common ammunition in America, and some of the most common magazines in America. A seven-day waiting period would be imposed on all legal gun owners. Again, I doubt that violent criminals are really going to be paying much attention uh, to that particular uh, legislation if, in fact, it were to become law. Uh, and then the uh, last bill we'll talk about, H.R. 133, this is called uh, David's Law. It is another bill authored by uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. Uh, this bill would uh, enhance the penalties for using a firearm in the commission of a hate crime. So we'll see uh, where that bill goes. Now, 
you may have noticed I, I didn't mention a couple of things. I, I, I did not mention uh, universal background checks. I did not mention, quote unquote, ghost guns or unfinished firearms. I did not mention Joe Biden's ban on modern sporting rifles and magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds. It's not that those bills aren't coming. I, I believe that they are, but they have not yet been introduced. So even though we just went through a, a you know fairly substantial list of gun control bills, please understand that's not all that's coming. We are still you know fairly early on in this session of Congress, uh, and there are going to be a number of gun control bills that will be filed in the days and in the weeks and in the months ahead. I expect that among those bills we will see a, uh, a quote-unquote universal background check provision uh, that would mandate background checks on all private transfers of firearms, not just those at gun shows, but all private transfers of firearms. And again, impose a federal criminal penalty if you sold a gun to your neighbor, who you know is not a prohibited person. My neighbor is actually a member of law enforcement. But that doesn't matter under a, a universal background check bill. If we don't go find somebody who's willing to conduct that firearms transfer, and I say, hey, you know, let me, let me say the gun. I know you're good. Uh, I could go to prison. Under under the uh, federal uh, universal background check legislation that has been introduced in years past. Um, Joe Biden's gun ban, magazine ban. When might we see that? I'm very curious, honestly. And I, I, I don't know the answer. I suspect from a political standpoint, it is being withheld. Uh, if, God forbid... We have a a mass shooting or an active assailant attack. I think that is when anti-gun Democrats in Congress are likely to unveil Biden's gun ban proposal. Don't don't put it out there now and get people upset about it. Hold off until the most politically opportune moment and then shove it out there and try to ram it through Congress. So I don't I don't think we're actually going to see Biden's gun ban bill dropped in the imminent future. But I do think that it is coming. I think that they are just waiting uh, for what they believe would be the most politically opportune time. As for Joe Biden's uh, anti-gun executive orders, when might we start to see some of those? I, to be honest with you, I kind of expected we'd, we would have seen more already. Um, we have seen the Biden administration work to undo a Trump-era rule that would uh, prevent big financial institutions from discriminating against the firearms industry. They've they've put that rule on hold, so it will not go into effect on April 1st, as it was uh, supposed to, and they will then work to, uh, to try to rescind that rule or replace that rule. But we haven't seen the Biden administration meet the demands of gun control activists yet. And I think gun control activists are getting a little sketchy about it. Um, there have been, you know, increased demands. We want that national director for gun violence prevention. We want these executive orders. Uh, Susan Rice uh, this past weekend was on the one of the Sunday shows. I think it was MSNBC Sunday show. And she talked about how the administration is looking forward to being great partners uh, with these gun control organizations. So we know that these actions are coming, um, even if they have not yet dropped. And I wish that I knew why we hadn't seen more action. I'm sure the gun control activists would love to know, too. I, I'm, I have my suspicions, but these are not based on any sort of evidence. Uh, so I want to make that clear. This is, this is just me, you know, opining here. But I, I, I do wonder if the strong number of gun sales that we've seen 
across the country is not giving at least some members of the administration uh, a little bit of hesitation about moving uh, so quickly to try to enact gun control. Because we know that not everybody buying firearms right now are Republicans. We, we know this. I mean, you can look at anti-gun locales like New Jersey and the number of people who are applying for permission to exercise their Second Amendment rights have doubled in 2020 over what we saw in 2019. Um, there are a lot of Americans across the political spectrum who are becoming much more interested uh, and invested uh, in their right to keep and bear arms. I'd like to think that that is what's maybe causing some hesitation on the part of the Biden administration. It may just be we're working on COVID. Uh, we got the impeachment that's coming up. Uh, gun control is is another big issue, but we're going to put that on the back burner for a few weeks. It, I mean, that, it, it may just be as simple as that. Um, one thing we do know, however, <laughs> there's not been any sort of change of heart uh, on the part of the Biden administration when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. Joe Biden himself still believes that right is limited. Uh, Kamala Harris still hasn't really recognized the Heller decision. Uh, she, you know, she when she was a DA in San Francisco, she signed on to an amicus brief uh, urging the Supreme Court not to, uh, to, to hear the Heller case and then urging the Supreme Court to reject uh, the argument that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to keep him wrong. She's never backed away from that position. Though she's said she's a gun owner herself, she's never actually said that she has a right to own a gun. Uh, those attitudes, those anti-gun attitudes on the part of the administration, Democrats in Congress, they are, are unfortunately still in place. Uh, and I expect that uh, we're going to get much more evidence of the uh, continued opposition to your right to keep and bear arms as the current session of Congress continues. So there you go. There's a, a, a quick look at the bills that have been dropped to date. We will do this on a periodic basis and keep you updated because we do know that there is going to be more legislation filed. Uh, never a bad idea to contact your member of Congress and to urge them to support the Second Amendment and to reject uh, these gun control proposals. Uh, and again, if you want a, a full list of what these proposals are, you can find it at bearingarms.com. We'll, we'll, we'll have that list attached to the story with this video. Uh, but you can also go to congress.gov and you can search legislation by subjects. You can search firearms. You can search, you know, gun safety and uh, you'll be able to see the uh, the bills that pop up there. So that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Bearing Arms, Cam and Company on rumble.com as well. If you want the audio, just the audio completely understand you can take us on the go uh, amazon podcast apple podcast spotify soundcloud stitcher and the townhall.com podcast page almost forgot about that we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest second amendment news and information from all around the nation but in the meantime be well be safe and be free